You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? Jared Sandler here getting ready for episode 44 of the Justice Set Conversation I want to thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first time, welcome. If you're a returner, really appreciate the loyal support. Episode 44 is with a man who's worn many different hats. Former professional baseball player. Comes from a big-time baseball family. At one time was the voice of the Texas Rangers on the radio side. Uh, along with, of course, Eric Nadell. He did some stuff on the TV side for the Rangers. He was the first ever voice heard when MLB Network launched. And now the longtime voice on the TV side of the Los Angeles Angels. And maybe the lowest of lows in his career when I was an intern roaming the halls of Globe Life Park. I sort of kind of answered to Victor and he kind of sort of was my boss. That's when I got to know him and he was an awesome guy then. He's an awesome guy now. And I really, really think you're going to enjoy Victor's storytelling uh, as a broadcaster, a player, an entrepreneur growing up. He he shares a lot of insight into a lot of different subjects. And before we get going, uh, I would really appreciate it if you would like, subscribe, share, comment, any of that stuff. I would really appreciate your continued support as we grow the Justice Set conversation. But without further ado, episode 44 with the great Victor Rojas. All right, we're talking to broadcaster, former player, and, and now a model, thanks to his uh, his clothing line, Big Fly Gear. You can find his modeling work on Instagram, uh, at Big Fly Gear. My, uh, my, my friend and former boss, uh, the great Victor Rojas. Victor, thanks so much for, for hanging out with us today. Hey, Jared. My pleasure, man. I don't know about the whole model thing, although now that you bring it up, I should probably add it to my LinkedIn profile, <laughs> considering everyone's circumstances. I don't know the the, the most recent uh, the most recent post you're you're looking off in the distance with some sunglasses. I like that. I, yeah, I I think you got something. Uh, <laughs> I got something, all right. I just don't know it's modeling. So I, I I guess we'll start with that. Uh, so big fly gear. I, I, we'll get into uh, the clothing side of it, but this is all the the name comes from your signature home run call. And I get asked this as a broadcaster all the time. You know, do you have a home run call? And I, I don't. I think this is typically something that just sort of comes to you and it evolves. I, how did you? How did the marriage between Victor Rojas and Big Fly come about? You know, I, I, I don't know when it was, to be perfectly honest with you. I think it's just a phrase that's been around for a long time. That, uh, you know, kind of like dial eight or long ball or whatever the case may be. Um, and especially in the minor leagues, there's so many different uh, variations of what players and coaches call the home run. And uh, for whatever reason, Big Fly always stuck with me. And uh, when I started broadcasting in Newark, New Jersey in 2001, 
Um, I started using it then, and it just kind of carried over to the Diamondbacks to the Rangers for five years, took it over to MLB Network. And even there at MLB Network, I, uh, because I was doing the, uh, the, uh, the highlight show, Quick Pitch, um, it's been more times than not around 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning waiting, waiting for those West Coast games to, to kind of finish up. I kind of borrowed a page out of the George Michael sports machine where he just kind of had fun with um, the highlights. And so, you know, I, I took, uh, you know, Oppo Taco and I used it on highlights, the big fly, any number of things, Jimmy Jack that Eric Nadell uses, and uh, just kind of made it myself. And as I got into um, working with the Angels, carried it over there, stopped using Oppo Taco and the like. And then a couple of years ago, wanted to do something with Big Fly. I didn't know what it was going to be, uh, but I knew I wanted to do some sort of a business with it that would be sports-related, if not baseball-related. And the apparel idea came to be about a year, uh, gosh, about two years ago now. And uh, now we've been operating for about 13, 14 months. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, all different uh, sorts of gear. I got a shirt. I know uh, uh, it's for guys, for girls, uh, you know, bigflygear.com. You didn't ask me to, to plug it, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of yours and fan of what you're doing. So uh, head over to bigflygear.com uh, to check out some of that stuff. Have you, what have you learned about the business side of it? I, you know, I, I know that for me, and, and I'm certainly not uh, like everyone, but like I, I wouldn't know where to begin with how to kind of operate a, a clothing business. What, what are some of the things you've learned in, in getting involved in this? Well, I, I think the biggest thing for us initially, you know, you know, we did it because we wanted to do something kind of in an entrepreneurial way and to teach our kids the, uh, the entrepreneurial spirit about, you know, coming up with an idea and then seeing it to, uh, through to fruition. And, uh, you know, the whole idea of the apparel and the T-shirt business, you know, there, there are a dime a dozen uh, in the industry, but we wanted – uh, it to be unique. And the way we did that was uh, by calling ourselves storytellers. So the gist of our industry, of our business, I should say, is that we take a person, place, and or moment in baseball's history revolving around the home run, and we create a, a graphic that tells that story. So the idea is uh, that we're building community. We're trying to build community so that when you wear our shirt, and it's got a cool graphic on it. You know, it doesn't have players' names. It doesn't have players' likenesses. But you are drawn to it because of the graphic and because of the story. And if someone asks you about it, now you've got the opportunity to share that story and kind of connect someone to, you know, a part of the history of the game. And so that's been our little niche and why I think it separates us a little bit. Uh, that coupled with the fact I think we have probably the finest garments. Most of our T-shirts are tri-blends, uh, incredibly soft. And, uh, you know, the, I, I think the one thing that stood out uh, initially for us from a business standpoint was honestly what, uh, you know, the, the, how much time we were going to spend doing it. And uh, that was number one. And number two, um, you know, were we going to just do it really as a, a true side business where uh, you could upload your stuff to a drop shipper and, you know, as, as the orders come in, uh, people get their shirts and they print them and they send them out and really kind of out of sight, out of mind. Or were we going to go all in and, you know, actually carry the inventory ourselves and, um, I'm kind of a, a little bit of a control freak when it comes to, uh, you know, from an imaging standpoint, from a branding standpoint and the like. And I just didn't like the idea of having someone else um, handling our stuff because we didn't really have much of a say once we put our logos up on, on the dropship stuff. So 
you know, we went all in and decided to say, all right, we're going to carry the inventory. We're going to run the business out of our house. Uh, my wife really, truly runs it during the season when I'm uh, out in California doing the games. Um, but I handle all the social media and everything that goes with it, the pictures and the like. And uh, it's been it's been fun. And I think the one thing that we really had to kind of adjust and we adjusted on the fly was, you know, it's such a large demographic, the sports baseball fan. And, um, you know, what what's in style? What do people like? What colors? What's our our demographic size range? And I, I think, you know, we've finally gotten to a point probably about summertime last year. We've got a pretty good feel of what that was. And so we've adjusted to the uh, the purchasing accordingly and uh, inventory wise, and uh, you know it's just every day is a learning process, like any business. I think uh, when you stop learning, I think that's when you stop growing. Um, so I just think it's been a lot of fun, and uh, the kids are into it. My wife loves it. That's her little baby, and um, you know we're hoping that it continues to grow. You know, we had pretty good growth last year, and we decided to do it organically. And, um, you know, the, the following has continued to grow. So I think that's, that's a good sign. Uh, all right. So, again, a Big Fly Gear on Instagram. You can see, you know, the, the different types of uh, shirts and, and uh, elements of apparel. And then, you know, I, I think, like, my favorite design, I assume you're not the artist on this, but the Millville Meteor shirt, which is obviously in, in tribute to uh, the man from Millville, Mike Trout. But, where, like, the... Do you come up with all the ideas, you and your wife, for, like, the, the, the shirts, or do you have other people who uh, help you guys with that? No, I have, I've got a designer that uh, I was able to hook up with uh, via Instagram, just a, an angel fan that, uh, you know, he shot me some, some of his stuff, and uh, we clicked right away. We're kind of both old souls. I've always enjoyed the, the vintage look and feel of things, and so we connected back in 2017, and actually I had the Big Fly logo uh, created back in 2017 and didn't do anything for a while when I mean, we launched in 2019. So, um, but we, we continued to talk and I told him that once we got to the point where we were uh, thinking about doing something that I would, you know, be in touch with him. And, um, you know, Bryce Reyes is his name. He's based out in Southern California. And what, what happens is that I'll come up with an idea uh, for a story. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example of you know, Mike uh, Trout. And and I'll tell him, I said, we need to do something that's, uh, um, you know, kind of uh, cosmic and kind of uh, superhero looking. And just because it, it tells a little bit about Mike and the Millville Meteor thing, even though it wasn't truly a nickname of his in high school, uh, I think it got coined after the fact. And it, it's just kind of a cool thing. It's been used sparingly. And um, I know we've used it on the air periodically, and people in Southern California certainly know about it. And so, you know, his, his first drawing was this, you know, this ball flying out of, it was actually, uh, the first edition was, it was Trout swinging the bat, kind of a silhouette, ball flying off his bat out to left field type deal, and uh, into, the, into outer space with the ball kind of unveiling itself as a meteor. And uh, I said, that, that's awesome. And it evolved from there because of, you know, like I said, we don't use players' likenesses and the like, so... That field that you see, that stadium, is actually uh, – I, I chose Forbes Field primarily because I like, I've always liked Forbes Field, um, the look of it. And uh, secondly, because of the way the graphic was created, I, and Mike being a right-handed batter, I wanted the baseball to appear as if it were flying at a left field. So I wanted this vantage point from kind of high above over the uh, third base area or the left field corner area. And so that, that 
image that we found uh, and, and Bryce kind of sketched it out worked perfectly for us. And that's, that's kind of how it evolved. And that's kind of how all these things have evolved for us. Really, uh, um, the, I'll give you another example. The four train is our tribute to Lou Gehrig. And that came about by accident because we were talking about Mickey Mantle and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for a Mickey Mantle story. And we've got another one um, that we're going to save for, for now. But, um, but as we were talking about Mickey, we were talking about, you know, uh, the subway and this and that. And I'm like, you know, it goes right behind Yankee Stadium. And uh, I said, I, gotta, I don't remember the number of the train uh, that goes back there. So I called my brother-in-law. who's a huge Yankee fan. I said, what's the number of the train that goes back there? And he said, the four train. And I said, I called Bryce right back. I said, dude, we don't, we can't do the subway thing with Mickey Mantle, but I've got an idea for Lou Gehrig. And um, the reason being is, you know, he was the iron horse. That was Lou Gehrig. And it just became this thing that evolved for us. Uh, there's a baseball on the, uh, on the subway train that says 2130, the number of consecutive games we put on there runs daily for the obvious reasons. And that's kind of how, um, the, the number four train Gehrig shirt tribute shirt uh, and graphic came to be. So it's 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 kind of a, a nice little uh, back and forth, a give and a give and go, and uh, it, it's kind of worked out pretty cool. I, our one of our initial logos or graphics is the bat label one, and if you notice the bat label, it looks like a traditional bat label on a bat, but it's got these little markings around it. Well, you know, I did some research, um, and that's it's turned out to be uh, a tribute to Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, for a time, uh, early on in his career, he would notch his bat for every home run that he would hit right around the bat label. And there's, you know, a story about it on the Hall of Fame website. So we, we, we write our story, explain the design, and then on, on that particular one, we put a link to the Hall of Fame so you can read more about it. So it's just kind of like that. It's just connecting things, and it's, it's worked out. The relationship between Bryce and myself and, and my family, it's just been tremendously wonderful and, and very rewarding so far. Have you had players who have uh, who have campaigned to have a, a shirt or a graphic made in their honor, or no, not yet? No, not 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 yet. And 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 really, the trout thing, we had the trout graphic last summer, and uh, we were doing so many other things. Uh, you know, we had the uh, the Negro League tribute shirt that came out. The uh, the Kirk Gibson '88 home run shirt came out. But we were kind of pushing it off, and I didn't want to bother Mike. And um, it's funny how this all evolved in early February. For whatever reason, we had just gone to one of our suppliers to pick up some shirts. And I said uh, to my wife, we were in the car, and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Craig Landis. Craig Landis is Trout's agent. And I'm just going to ask him. You know, I'm, I, I didn't want to – because I haven't really bothered any players. I just wanted to – but I definitely on this one, because he's a current active player, I wanted to make sure that – he was cool with it. And I called Craig and Craig seemed to be, you know, very receptive to it. So we sent him the graphic and um, I think it was right around players were reporting to spring training at that time. And he got back to me and said, you know, no problem whatsoever. Um, and I think initially what we had pitched to, to, to Craig was, Hey, we would like to do this. And in return, you know, part of the proceeds, whatever, $5 of every graphic uh, or of every item that we sell We'd like to donate it to a charity of, of Jess and Mike Trout's liking, whatever it is. If it's the Boys and Girls Club of Orange County, uh, whatever. That's that's kind of how we pitched it. And then it, it kind of went even further for my wife and I. We started thinking maybe we can do this for all these different players and create this unique kind of segment um, that is kind of giving back to the community. 
And so uh, Craig got back to us. And he says, uh, you're free and clear to use it. Mike liked it. He says he gives you the okay to use it. Um, not that I really needed his approval because it didn't have his name or likeness on it, but I just wanted the, you know, the old thumbs up. I didn't want to do something against someone uh, of that stature. And uh, Trout and Jess, uh, Mike and Jess were uh, incredibly generous, and they said, "Don't even you don't have to worry about making a donation to the uh, to our foundation or to a, a charitable group. Um, it's it's free and clear for you guys. Go ahead and, and use it." I, I'm like, um, it was it was just amazing, and that's why we were able to do a pre-sale, and it's just kind of it just snowballed on us that quickly right before spring training, and uh, you know we're hoping that more and more guys. Uh, see it and appreciate it and kind of get a feel for what we're doing that uh, we're going to take care of you. We're not, we're not trying to do something that's gimmicky or uh, that, uh, you know, that's not long lasting. We want it to be something that's sustainable, both from a material standpoint, from a graphic standpoint. That's, you know, I hope that we're off on the, on the right foot. If sales are any indication, I think we are. People like what we do, uh, appreciate it. We've got, you know, we've got customers that have purchased eight to 10 times already. Uh, in the course of a year. So I think that speaks to the quality of our merchandise. And uh, we're just hoping it catches fire a little bit more. So this doesn't help. Obviously, the, the situation that we all find ourselves in uh, doesn't help matters. Um, but, you know, the beauty of the way we're doing things, we don't, you know, we're not obligated to, to pay, you know, a, a rent on a, a facility or a store. We don't have overhead. Our inventory is our inventory. And it's our inventory, whether we were doing, you know, $10,000 a, a month in business or, or more, or if it's down to $1,000 a month. It doesn't really matter to us because it's, it's, we're all internal here and running it out of our house. So we can sustain. We can, we can live this out. We can ride this out. Uh, so we're not really going anywhere. We just hope that it eventually comes back and, and baseball, uh, you know, is, the, is kind of the leader in bringing everybody back. And, you know, hopefully we get some news uh, in the near future about when the, the light at the end of the tunnel is. And I'm sure that when uh, we do start playing, you're going to call some sort of a big moment because it seems like you've been uh, fortunate to be behind the mic for a ton of big moments. Uh, you know, I I know from your time with the Rangers, if I'm not mistaken, you were on the call for the Sammy Sosa's 600th home run. Uh, and with the Angels, whenever you have Albert Pujols and – uh, you know, as he continues to climb, you know, this chart and that chart and, and no hitters and, and obviously uh, the, the tragedy of Tyler Skaggs last year, but then some of the amazing things that ensued, you've had a lot of unique situations unfold in front of you as a broadcaster. I know there's not one blanket you can throw over it and say, hey, this is how I'm going to handle all these situations. But when you know that you might have a big moment coming that night, or if it's a uh, a player who's close to a record, do you think about it? Do you just kind of let it happen? What sort of preparation do you put into those particular moments? You know, I, I don't know that I really – I mean, we obviously know that things are going to happen, um, especially the big milestones. Um, I don't – I'm not a big fan of scripting anything out. <clears throat> I like the moment to occur. And uh, whatever comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth. Uh, you know, I, I've been really fortunate in my in my career to to you know call some what I think are, are pretty big moments. Uh, you know, I've called a couple three thousand hits. I've called a couple of uh, six hundred home runs, and and those are just things that uh, I'll never I'll, I'll never forget. I'll cherish them forever. Um, but I've never been a big believer of 
of, you know, it's, it's about me and what I say because my voice is going to live on forever. I've never looked at it that way. And I'll give you, I'll give you a couple little stories to be perfectly honest with you since we, you know, we're, we're here in the Dallas area and, um, you know, I learned so much from working with Eric Nadell and I'll just tell you what kind of a person that he is, uh, with Sammy Sosa, we were in, uh, I think it was Cincinnati and, uh, he hit his, uh, 599, uh, I want to say it was 599. You know, remember back then I was doing the middle three innings, uh, play by play. And, uh, I had Sammy's 599, and I think it was a grand slam to right field, uh, in Cincinnati. And the next day on the bus, uh, Eric got on and I was telling him, I said, listen, man, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable to be perfectly honest with you. If Sammy comes to the plate, to handle something like that. You've been doing this for 28 years, whatever the number was at that point. I said, uh, if Sammy comes to the plate and he's at 599 still, and it's my turn or I'm at the mic for those middle three innings, I would like to throw it over to you so that you have the call. I just think that just makes the most sense. And he said, absolutely not, not going to happen. When Sammy hits the home run, he'll hit the home run. Whoever's at the mic will have the mic. And um, so it just it just happened to be that we were in, in Arlington, and, you know, lo and behold, it's the Chicago Cubs, Jason Marquis on the mound, wearing Sammy Solstice's old number 21, and Sammy goes oppo to right center field of the bullpen for his 600th, and I happen to have that call. So it just – it, you know, I just I just never been a believer of it. And with uh, <laughs> Pujols, the funny story about Pujols is – Pools, uh, so I've had Albert's 500, 600, and his 3,000 pit. Uh, for Albert, we were in D.C., and he was at 498. And, of course, we were talking about it. And, uh, and uh, leading up to it, and uh, <laughs> we start the game thinking, all right, so, you know, maybe it'll happen this series. Well, crap, in the first inning, he hits 499. We're like, and Gooby and I, Mark Gooby's and I, look at each other. And like, crap, he's got a chance to do this tonight. Like, it's, like we were thinking, all right, maybe he hits one today, and he'll do one in two days or whatever. We look at each other, here comes, oh, he and sure enough, he hits number 500 in the same game out the left center field. Then all of a sudden it becomes this thing, um, this momentous occasion. And it happens to be that an Angel fan has the ball out there, and so it just became this bigger deal than – we had ever anticipated. So I, I think the bet, the, I think you're better off downplaying the moment than trying to live up to it. You know, I, I let the moment happen because you really don't know what's going to happen on the field. You don't know if someone's going to trip uh, as a uh, number 3000 has fallen in, or if someone is going to rob uh, number 500 over the wall. I just think you just have to let it play out and whatever comes out, comes out. Victor, you're you're unique in that you come from a big time baseball family. Uh, your brother uh, has uh, coached to the professional ranks. Your, your dad, uh, uh, former big league player and and manager, Cookie Rojas. Your brother Mike, and you played. Uh, what led you to broadcasting and not going on the coaching side of things like uh, had been in your family? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I did get a chance to do some of it early on, uh, you know, after I, I, I was kind of in that playing mode, non-playing mode. And when I, I was out of the game, I was able to get back in as the, the bullpen catcher for the Florida Marlins during their inaugural season in 93. And then I went down to 
uh, the Texas Louisiana League. I was a, a pitching coach slash player in Harlingen, Texas, for the uh, Rio Grande Valley White Wings. And I thought I thought that was kind of going to be my um, my path. I, I remember interviewing for a pitching coach job in the Expos organization uh, prior to '95, and just you know, life kind of happens. Uh, I was married young. I had a uh, daughter at a young age, and, and you know, priorities change. And so, uh, yeah, I decided to do other things. So I ventured into the, the professional sports side of things, the management side, uh, working. Uh, gosh, I, I worked in. Uh, <laughs> Uh, prize fighting, uh, Thursday night fights at the Irvine Marriott in California with Roy Engelbrecht. Uh, I've gone to arena football. I worked minor league baseball. I worked in the National Hockey League with the Florida Panthers. I worked in arena management. I worked in professional golf with Jim McClain, the professional golf instructor, uh, which led me into uh, an Internet venture in Southern California in, in the golf industry. So I, I just thought that that was my path. But I never really found the – I don't know. I never, there was never a real hook. Like it was just, you know, professional sports, it's hard. You've been around it uh, a long time, Jared, and so you understand what it's like. So, you know, if, if you're a sales guy, you're a sales guy or, or woman in, in that position. And I guess your ultimate goal is to become the, the vice president of sales, marketing, same thing. And so it's, it's very, it's sports, but it's still kind of, it's the corporate world. So the, for me, it was, what's the ultimate goal? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? And um, there was a, a time in, in 2000 after I got married, uh, remarried, and we were, I was honestly, uh, it was the off season, and I took a job at Nordstrom in Boca Raton, Florida, as customer service. We were living in Fort Lauderdale and uh, having fun doing it. I enjoyed it. Loved working for Nordstrom, unbelievable company. And I think that's where I got a lot of my, my mindset from uh, dealing with the industry that I'm currently in now. But, uh, you know, I, I knew I wanted to do something else, and I, I talked to my wife, and I said, I, I think I'm going to try my hand at broadcasting. And uh, I said, I had no no experience in it, and, I, and I, my game plan was I was going to call friends of mine in independent ball, see if I could land a job as a player, um, and then in my, my off time, go to the station or with a team and kind of learn the business, the broadcasting side, you know, the, the back end of it. And so I learned very quickly that at 31, 32 years of age, how many people want you as a part-time player in independent ball. And uh, I was fortunate. I had a friend that was working in Newark, New Jersey, coaching for the Bears, independent league, Atlantic League. Rick Cerrone, the former Yankee catcher, owned the team. And I sent my resume up there. And Rick called me and he said, listen, I don't want you as a, as a player, but I could use somebody to put together this team. And on your uh, downtime, we have a play-by-play guy. You could do color on our, on our radio broadcast." And so we moved up to Newark, New Jersey, you know, sight unseen. My wife became the office manager for the Bears as well. She got hired. And um, 30 days after starting to put the team together where I signed Conseco and Lance Johnson and Jim Laird and all those guys, our play-by-play guy quit before the season. So I became the play-by-play guy. And then a month into the season, our GM was let go, and I became the general manager. And so I was, I was juggling both. So here I was. I was back in that same front office kind of role, but I knew that at – six o'clock that I was going to go upstairs and prep for the game. Cause that's what I really wanted to do. And there was a time that summer in one that I had to make a decision of, am I going to, am I going to seek this out? Am I going to try to go the general manager route or am I going to stick with broadcasting? And fortunately I stuck with broadcasting. I landed a gig with MLB.com that fall. I called fall league games. I did a radio show with Jonathan May on the mornings called the baseball breakfast in 2002. I did the all-star game in Milwaukee, the Barry Bonds game, the, uh, 
that uh, Torrey Hunter robbed Barry Bonds of a home run, and of course the game that uh, was called after all the players were used, the ultimate tie. And I did the uh, fall league again in, in, in 02, um, and I was fortunate enough to get a call from the Arizona Diamondbacks beginning in 03, asking, asking me if I would come and do color for them on their radio broadcast. And that's, that's kind of how I got into the, the role. I, was, I spent very little time in the minor leagues. Um, it was a very busy time. It wasn't really one to – and I think it was good because I, I was thrust into it. I didn't have a – I couldn't think about it. It's just like I had to do it, you know. And uh, I think that was probably the best way to learn is just kind of go – uh, trial by fire and figure it out. And I, you know, it took me a while to figure it out, but I, here I am 17 years later. Well, there you go. Episode 44 of the Justice Set Conversation with Victor Rojas. I really, really have enjoyed my time with Victor uh, at first, again, as I mentioned in the intro and, and came up during the conversation when I was just a, a low intern trying to figure out my way. And now, as, as I've been a part of the Rangers broadcast and have obviously gotten to see and spend time with Victor, uh, it, it's been really, really cool. And someone who's been such a great resource and help to me and, and a great friend. And it's, it's awesome seeing him grow uh, his responsibilities beyond just broadcasting. Someone who uh, I think really wants to make a, an impact beyond broadcasting and, and certainly has. We got two more episodes released next week. Uh, one, a former Major League Baseball player with a really long career and a lot of stories to tell. And another uh, growing, budding broadcasting star here in the DFW Metroplex. Until then, would really appreciate if you would subscribe to the channel, share the link to this conversation or any other conversation or video on the channel, like, comment, all that stuff. Would really appreciate it. But until then... Be safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you later.